Women don't want to outshine their partner. They don't want to be considered the smartest in the family, especially if they have male siblings. So they fail just enough or they dumb themselves down just enough so they're below uh, the male siblings or male partners. Hi, I'm Language Bro, and welcome to a book review for a better you. On this channel, I'll be reviewing some of my favorite books. Some may be in business, others may be in self-help, or others just may be general reading or just things that I find interesting. I'll do a chapter-by-chapter -chapter review, and at the end of the book, I'll do a summary on what the book meant to me. Obviously, this is not meant to be a definitive opinion or definitive review of the book. It's just my opinion and my take on what it meant. So if you're ready, come along and let's get started. Hello everyone, welcome to a book review for a better you. I'm your host, Language Barrow. On this episode, we'll be discussing Wake Up and Live by Ms. Dorothea Brand. This book will help you reach your goals and achieve success, a formula for success that works. It's actually published by BNN Publishing, copyright 2014, and the book review is by myself, Language Barrow. We'll begin with an intro, then we'll do a chapter-by-chapter -chapter review. Lastly, we'll close out the book. We'll close out this episode with a summary of the book and kind of what I took from it. So if you're ready, let's get started. We'll do the intro. What are the steps necessary to take control of your life and live the life you were meant to live? Does this book work for everyone? Probably not, but the only way to know if it's going to work for you is you have to get a copy of this 106-page book, take a read, See what applies, apply those things that benefit and discard those things that don't. So let's get started with the chapter one review, why we fail. Despite the absurdity of it all, some believe that we have an innate desire to fail the same as we had an innate desire to succeed. You think that's true? Well, sometimes we don't wanna, we don't wanna stand above. We don't wanna be above our colleagues or above our families. So we fail just enough to fit in with the group. For some, it's the fear of success that drives failure. When you succeed, it does elevate you. When you're elevated, you could become a target, you could become uh, isolated. So some people really don't want that. Some cultures actually talk about the importance of fitting in. America talks about the importance of standing out. Right In America, it's all about the individual. In other cultures, it's about the group. So surpassing failure requires decision and energy to make it happen or not happen. Chapter two, the will to fail. It is the arch enemy of success and achievement. It is very difficult to see in ourselves, but easy to see in others. We can see in others when people date people they shouldn't be dating or work in places where they shouldn't be working or taking a job that they shouldn't be taking because it's all gonna lead to failure. Or they accept too much work that they know they can't do and so they end up failing. It's easy to see that in other people, but it's hard to see in ourselves. If you're a Christian and it's the whole thing with the plank in your eye, but the splinter in the other person's eye, meaning that it's easy for you to see some small defect in another person than to see the huge defect in yourself. Yet you many fine reasons for not being or not doing what we were called to do. We, we thus make a pact with friends and family. Uh, you don't talk about my dead dreams, I don't talk about yours. 
And as a matter of fact, a lot of times that's why we don't tell people our dreams because we don't want people reminding us of them when we don't achieve them. So next up is going to be chapter three, the victim of the will to fail. Do not act as if you have a thousand years to live. That's by Marcus Aurelius. And in this chapter, they talk about really three kind of victims of failure. They talk about the sleeper, person just sleeping through life, not paying attention, just going through the motions. They talk about the watcher. The watcher is a person that really watches everything and doesn't take any risks. They may be on the sidelines, like a backseat driver or a passenger driver where they're giving advice and information, but they really don't take the risks. And lastly is the addict. This is a person who uses some kind of substance to numb themselves or move themselves from having to deal with the pain of failure. Chapter four, the rewards of failure. Those who live in the past do not strive to change the future future or others who try but don't succeed. So this is again people who the rewards of failure which it's easier not to make the effort because if you make the effort and you fail then you can either feel the pain from that or the humiliation, the isolation. So it's in some instances it's better to just fail on your own terms than to fail on somebody else's terms. Lastly the rewards for for not doing your best work thus exceeding the efforts of beloved ones or families. And this is one of the ones where they say it really applies to women, where women don't want to outshine their partner. They don't want to be uh, considered like the smartest in the family, especially if they have male siblings. So they fail just enough or they dumb themselves down just enough so they're below the male siblings or male partners. Chapter five, right the direction uh, accomplishing what you set out to do each person's true definition of success cannot be compared or measured against another and that's would seem to be to be self-explanatory uh, it's very difficult even though we do it we we look at people's lives and their existence and we measure ourselves against them but it's almost it's impossible to measure ourselves against them because we have different definition of success we have a different journey in life we have different situations that happen to us. I guess it's just common for us to compare ourselves to other people, but it ultimately leads to massive frustration. Uh, it is the avoidance of pain from past failures that causes inertia and the lack of progress forward. Generally, we try to avoid pain. So if we had failures from the last, from a situation, uh, we try not to repeat that. Some time ago, I, I was investing heavily in real estate and I was investing in real estate in another state, which is, far, far from where I lived at. And I didn't know the area that I bought the property and it was just in theory supposed to be this great investment. But as the property started sinking and, and they nearly forced me into bankruptcy, that pain was so great that for like 15 to 20 years after that, I didn't buy any property. I just was really kind of gun shy and fearful about buying property. And especially if it was in an area that I didn't live or I didn't have close contacts or if it wasn't easy for me to get to back and forth, that painful experience really shifted my whole mindset on, on about investing in real estate. Uh, moving past this, we must act as if it's impossible to fail as the thoughts of failure success cannot occupy the same space. And again, easier said than done, right? <laughs> it's easier to act as if it's impossible to fail once you've had a taste of failure but what the author is trying to convey is that you have to put yourself in that place where you believe it's impossible to fail because then it leaves you no alternative, no escape routes. You just keep marching forward 
and her take is is that in time you will be successful uh, and if, even if you don't gain the ultimate goal that you set out for the new experiences the education and knowledge the training that you gain along the way would all be very beneficial uh, lastly what she says is two thoughts cannot occupy the same space at the same time so if you focus on success you cannot be focused on failure and vice versa if you focus on failure you can't be focused on success because you can't have two ideas that occupy the same space at the same time one will take precedence over the other and that's really just a matter of your decision which one you give the most power to it's likely to be the one that's going to grow or which one you nurture the most is going to be the one that grows the strongest a chapter six the system in operation begin by returning your mind to a time and place when you were successful live in that moment what you thought how you felt and allow the energy to drive you forward so this is a form of visualization where you can actually place yourself in a situation that was very beneficial and very nurturing live in that moment and try to recreate that moment mentally in the hopes that at some point it'll translate uh, into a physical reality chapter seven warnings and qualifications self-affirmation alone usually does not take does not lead to success we must act as if it was impossible to fail and so again self-affirmations i am strong i am powerful i am swift i'm intelligent the author's take here is that's got to be followed by an action right it's not just like a mantra you have to physically do an action because confidence is built on successful actions or successful habits and so just to do the mindset or the mantra is not going to really be sufficient to move you forward and then dreamy is not the same as imagining and here she talks a lot about imagination using your mind to create and put you in places that you can be successful versus dreaming or wishing for things one uh, requires action which is imagination and the other only requires wishes which is dreaming chapter eight on saving breath in the early stages protect your work by keeping it private and this one is a bit controversial well, there are two schools of thought but her belief is that uh, when something is new it's very defenseless and it's fragile and so it's easy to break or distort so her take is really you need to protect your dreams and your ambitions when they're young and early from people that will do damage from them now there are other people who have a different train of thought which say just the opposite that you need to share when they're new and early provide resources so they can grow any input you can get helps it grow but that's a, just a different opinion I and mean, in this chapter she talks about protecting it and she says listen to your inner voice and create seek advice from experts when necessary learn from your mistakes incorporate what is beneficial or good feedback but don't let it change it after a period of time when your dreams have become strengthened then you can start to take this external information and see uh, how it can move your move your project forward chapter nine the task of imagination imagination allows us to see and look for opportunities that may not yet be present and view ourselves outside of our current roles parent worker employer labor so again she talks here again about imagination use your imagination to create scenarios that you typically wouldn't see yourself in right if you're seeing yourself as a mother think about roles outside of motherhood and use your imagination of how you would create this how you would find the time where would you get the resources so she also believes imagination can enable us to learn experiences beyond the typical 
uh, method of trial and error. And again, trial and error is restricted to what you know, right? You, but that's going to be limited by what you know. So it's really not so much imagination. Here she's talking about use your imagination to think of things that you typically wouldn't do, that you typically don't do. It may allow you to go beyond this typical reiteration stage of do something, evaluate it, and then um, fix it and then do it again. Chapter 10 on codes and standards. Having a set of standards for our work allows us to strive for our best work. And that pretty much seems common sense, right? Uh, you need a set of standards, not only for your work, but in the way you live your life, um, maybe the way your home is kept, go about your, your daily activities of life. You're having a set of standards allows you to know when those standards are met and to have a product or a service that meets your needs or meets the needs of the customers that you're selling to. If, if you worked in a corporate environment, you know that they, one of the things that, first things that all corporations do is have SOP, standard oper operating procedures, or they have some type of process in place to ensure that whatever product they're selling or created can be reiterated over and over again by different people doing the same process, using the same standards. In this chapter, she also said, look for samples of work you want to accomplish, what is necessary to achieve it, who the audience is, and what are the benefits. And this is just kind of a business, like business principles. Right? You look for a market and find out who's in the market and look and see what kind of work they're doing and you understand what's necessary to achieve that and you gotta realize well who your audience is, what benefit you're gonna to provide to them because in the real world, the audience is already existing without your product. So your product has to provide some type of benefit to them or they won't buy it. I mean, that's pretty, pretty simple. Are your ideas the best? Uh, respect the input of others. If criticism is appropriate, put your ego aside and let it create an environment, do your best work. Again, that's just saying you're not an island, right? You're, even though it may be your ideal, it's okay to take input. That's how we learn. Take it, evaluate it, see how constructive it is, or if it's going to move you along in your process, and then apply that process. Don't, don't be constrained with thinking that your ideals are always the best and that you can't listen to other people because either they don't have your experience or they don't have your knowledge or, or they're just not in the industry. Again, this, we're always, as people, we're always learning and growing. If you're in a product or producing something, you always have to be in an iterative phase where you're constantly improving your product to get to the perfect product. So chapter 11, 12 disciplines to improve your mind. The first one, spend an hour without saying anything. In today's society, society it's very easy to get distracted with social media obligations from people and places we need to be, technology, computers, phones, tablets, uh, TV. And so we're really talking about training your mind for an hour where you don't say anything to increase your sense of focus and your power of concentration. Number two, learn to think for 30 minutes a day on one subject. Again, this is to focus your center of concentration, focus your mind, so that you can control your thoughts and your actions. Number three, write a letter without using I, me, or mine. Again, this is to remove yourself as the primary focus of your mind and concentrating on other things in the world besides yourself. Number four is very talk for 15 minutes a day without using I, me, or mine, which is very similar to rule three, 
but instead of doing letter writing, you're going to focus on talking for 15 minutes. Number five, write a letter with a successful tone. It's, you'll find it's amazing how much we focus on things that we don't have. As an example, I forget, I think I was at a, a flea market or a park or something. Prior to going, I had taken some money out of the bank. I think, like, let's say I took $100 out. And I noticed that I had lost $20, which had fell out of my wallet or I misplaced it. And I focused so I was focused so much on that lost twenty dollars instead of really concentrating and being happy that I didn't lose the whole hundred. I really just kind of got caught up on where did that twenty dollars go? Did I drop it? Did it go into the car? Did it fall out of my pocket? Instead of being thankful that the whole hundred dollars, <laughs> you know, didn't end up in the same place. So again, that's really just a mindset of of gratitude, trying to focus on the things that are positive happening in our life versus worrying about the negative things in the moment. Number six, pause before entering a room and consider relationships or obligations to those in the room. When I was working in hospitals, before we would go into a patient's room, we were instructed to ground ourselves, to refocus. Don't take all this information that I might have got from the last patient if I had a bad situation or something happened with the last patient. Don't take all that energy into the room with the new patient to be mindful, to be present in the moment, and to provide the care for that patient at that moment, not get distracted by what happened in the previous moments or what's gonna happen when I leave this room. Number seven, keep a new acquaintance talking about himself or herself for 10 minutes. I've never had a problem with this. I mean, I've generally people I meet like talking about themselves, so I generally don't have a problem with enabling them to, to talk about themselves. I find that most people find their most interesting su subject themselves. And the longer you allow people to talk about themselves, the smarter they think you are. <laughs> you figure that out. Monitor your speech for I, me, or mine, or other filler words. And filler words are things like um, and, uh, but, and not in the context of a sentence, but just as a bridge to the next paragraph or next sentence. When what really needs to happen is there needs to be a pause there between those two words. Plan two hours a day and perform exactly according to plan. Again, in this modern society, it is so easy to get distracted by emails, telephones, social media, children, work. And so that we have a, when we have plans in the morning, it's so easy to get distracted from that plan. And then at the end of the day, we find out whatever list or task or plans that we have, half of them were done or third of them were done or maybe no none were done depending on the other demands on our time for you to take a list and dedicate at least two hours to that plan to work on that specific list place yourself in a new situation where you must act non-habitually people we are created we are creatures of habit comfort is about habit and safety it's about doing things that we know of the outcome before we do them while we're pretty sure of the outcome here what she's saying is you need to put yourself outside of your comfort zone as a way to grow. Number 12, say yes to every request made of you that day. I mean, this is this is harder to do because depending on your work situation, you may not be able to say yes to everybody. You may have to tell people, look, I got to get this done. Uh, I have obligations. I have an agenda. I have, a, you know, I have tasks that I have to accomplish. But the key point here is that Take some time, what, whatever that time is, or whether you say 30 minutes or an hour, and you say, whoever approaches me in this time limit, I'm going to say yes to it. 
you know, obviously if it's if it's going to put you in danger, I mean, or do something against your morals, you're not going to do it. But you get the gist of it. It's really about you agreeing to be uncomfortable for 30 minutes. That's really what the that's really what the 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 gist of this particular exercise is. All right, so we're going to do chapter 12. Chapter 12. And the best of luck, act as if it was impossible to fail and concentrate your energies on moving forward. Imagination is the engine that drives forward uh, towards progress, but it must be fueled by action. Again, here, the word, this word imagination, but this word imagination is tagged to action. So it's one thing to imagine what's possible, but then you have to take some steps to make it happen or move you along in the journey to achieve whatever you created or whatever was fostered in your imagination. Uh, achieving success can be obtained by subduing the will to fail. And again, we get back to this idea of about two ideas occupying the same space, which is impossible. You can't have two ideas occupying the same space. Either you're going to have a focus on failure or a focus on success. And again, whichever one you nurture the most is the one that's going to grow the fastest and the strongest. So that takes us to the summary. What's my take on this book? It's a simple read. And like most self-help books, it really is about evaluating yourself, uh, evaluating your shortcomings, and not focusing on things that can distract you from achieving what you want to achieve. One of the key things that she talks about here is imagination and action. You have to use your imagination to place you in situations that you normally won't find yourself and then you have to take the necessary action to achieve that thank you and we'll see you on the next episode ciao for now